Hello everyone, welcome to a very special episode of this EDH cast. Uh, today we're going to be discussing one of the most powerful cards in the history of Magic. But first, I'm going to be introducing a good friend, Rebel. Hello, Rebel. Hey guys. So uh, today, Rebel and I are going to be discussing Mana Crypt. Now, one of the most interesting things about you know cards that reach a certain power level is they often have like... They're so powerful that they do like many things at once. And when I asked you, I think I asked you what what is Mana Crypt or why is Mana Crypt so good? And uh, do you want to say the answer that you gave? Yeah, it's a two colorless ritual. Yeah, so if you, I mean, this is just me personally. When I hear about, uh, when I think of Mana Crypt, I think of it as like a a ramp spell, right? So you you play it and you get two more mana for the rest of the game. But in reality, and in CDH often, it is just a ritual, right? Like, you know, I, I play my Ad Nauseam, I go down to like three life, I play my Mana Crypt, cast Final Fortune and die. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes <laughs> sometimes you uh, resolve Ad Nauseam, you hit Mana Crypt, you play Mana Crypt, tap it for two mana, you play a Mana Vault, all of a sudden you're just popping off rituals and making tons of mana and probably winning the game. So that isn't that's kind of interesting, right, that uh, Mana Crypt kind of on top of just being a zero mana rock that taps for two mana, it's also this zero mana ritual that produces two mana, which is actually kind of insane because often there's cards like talismans and signets and other things that you can immediately use that mana to turn it into you know colored mana, which is which is super powerful, right? Yeah, I think it's. Um, I think when most people think about mana crypt, it's like what you were saying, right? Like it's. It's a sort. It's like a free source of two colorless each of your turns, which is very strong on its own. But I think um, with how fast a format like CDH is, uh, timing is like really important. So I think the, to me, the when Mana Crypt is like super powerful is when you can do like um, turn one land Mana Crypt Mana Crypt into Talisman, and that Talisman's gonna give you colored mana. Um, and that like continues the chain, or like you can go turn one land mana crypt uh, Ristic study, and then uh, as you mentioned earlier, like mana crypt super important after you like Adnaz. So if you like play a lot of Adnaz decks, you know like colored mana comes at a premium. Um, like you really really need colored mana, and usually if you do like a main phase Adnaz, like you might not have enough colored mana afterwards. So you really need to hit that mana crypt into like a vault, or like let's say mana crypt into like talisman, so you can spirit guide and like double red for your final fortune. Like I think those aspects are like super important. Yeah. So, well, you know, I I think the card is so powerful that a lot of the times there are certain decks that are almost built around mulliganing until you hit a card like it, right? So you can't play five copies of Mana Crypt in your deck, but in Najila, you're definitely trying to find a way to have three mana as early as possible, right? So you're playing all your dorks that are kind of like, like. It's almost like every dork is a bad impersonation of Soul Ring, and every yeah. Soul Ring is a bad impersonation of Mana Crypt, right? Yeah, I was just thinking that actually, like um, about other rocks you would have, and just how like how much worse Soul Ring is, you know, compared to Mana Crypt, just because the the cost is zero versus one. Yeah, the, I'd say the only card in the format right now that really rivals Mana Crypt in terms of its ability to be explosive is probably Jewel Lotus, right? Yeah, and there's like so many discussions about. Um, there's like a tendency to really want to compare Jewel Lotus to like Mana Crypt. And I think um, 
as I was mentioning earlier, like we we're talking about as like a ritual, right? And like about how these things are like kind of um, tools that are really important in like the timing of your play. And when you compare like Jewel Lotus to Mana Crypt, a lot of people compare it in the aspect of Mana Crypt is a permanent thing that gives you two mana like each turn. But Jewel Lotus, like for the decks that can really use it, gives you, you know, one more than Mana Crypt. And also it's colored mana. And also it costs for, for nothing. So I think that's the part you should be comparing. Like you would like in a Godo deck, they're both kind of the same thing. Yeah. That if your deck is constructed and we, we can kind of go into this too about mana crypt, but in terms of jeweled Lotus, if your deck is constructed in such a way that three colored mana, three colored mana of any one color that can only cast commander spells, if that's a strong enough ritual in your deck, then, then it's a strong enough ritual. Right. And in the same way, if a uh, zero if a zero mana, you know, ritual that makes two colorless is good enough in your deck, it's good enough for your deck. Now, I know you've played a lot of Sisse, and you were telling me earlier that Sisse actually isn't the best deck for cards like Mana Crypt because of the color requirements and the activated ability. Do you want to go into that a bit? Yeah. So, um, I think earlier versions of my Sisse decks, I had Mana Crypt in there just because, you know, it's Mana Crypt. Um, I can always go land Mana Crypt Sisse. Um, but uh, back then, I played a lot more like Dorks. And I'll, because Sisse has that unique need for uh, different color identities in the permanents you have, oftentimes those permanents have just colored like mana costs. So like, for example, um, Sig is like blue-black, blue-black. Um, Derevi is just three of each one color. So, I mean, Silvala, if you play Silvala, is like green, green, and one colorless, right? Like a lot of these cards um, don't use that colorless. Like uh, your interaction, maybe Mana Drain or like Dispel, um, Dovin's Veto. Um, maybe if you play Fire Company, use that one. But but you see what I'm getting at, right? A lot of these spells we use in CDH actually don't really use that colorless pip. So um, while I still play Mana Crypt, I actually didn't play Mana Vault. And I didn't play Soaring in like the earlier renditions. Um, and then I really thought about like, how can I use like those? We can agree like those rocks are like some of the best things you can have in your deck, right? Like Mana Vault, Soaring, and, and Mana Crypt. How can I build a deck that can leverage those cards better as opposed to having cards that um, doesn't allow me to play, maximize on those effects? So like switching the dorks for like talismans, I think is like something I did. Um, I actually learned a lot about this, or like really started thinking about this when I read, I forgot who, I think it's Deeks. I forgot whose primer it was for Niv-Mizzet, like the, the, the Parun, um, and how that that deck was really designed to like really leverage the colorless pips in the spells because your commander costs so much in colored pips. Um, so I forgot what that pirate like spell was, the one that's like deal two damage to each non-pirate. Uh, yeah, exactly the one you're talking about. It's like a pyroclasm, but doesn't matter. Yeah. So, so it was, it was a thing that really interested me, or really was really interesting to me in that primer. Was like, normally, if you think if you think pyroclasm versus like that spell, pyroclasm better, right? Because it costs two colorless. But if all your spells cost colored pips and your mana crypt makes two colorless, they're basically the same thing. Like the the bombardment or like the pirate spell is an instant version of pyroclasm because your deck doesn't use colorless as much so it was okay to that designer that the, some of the spells were larger in cmc because the cmc uh wasn't using as much colored pips yeah i feel like a lot of the times 
if your deck isn't a good mana crypt deck, it's it, the problem is almost never mana crypt, right? Right. It's, it's almost always that you've decided not to leverage mana crypt, which is yeah, kind I've... of an interesting uh, another you know branch on the tree of this discussion. Like, at what point is is a card so good? that it's it's worth warping your deck around it and the other versions of its effect, right? Like if you're if you're building a deck, don't don't you kind of need to build it so that it can take advantage of, of mana crypt and mana vault and soul ring and all those effects? What what do you think? Yeah, I, I definitely agree with this and that's kind of why not to like show my own deck again, but Please that's do. kind of <laughs> that's kind of why I I I like to play Gigantha because um Gigantha doesn't care about colored pips or, or like it's color. It's four colorless and one red or one green. That means my deck can be can be constructed completely with like mana crypt, all the good rocks, um, all the good rituals like dark ritual, cabal ritual, like even rite of flame because it's it's like a turbo deck. Like I don't care about any of those restrictions. I can play that companion uh, reasonably fast because I can leverage all those very powerful cards as opposed to like playing um, a deck that like cares a lot more about colored pips and I kind of have to like build my board to support that kind of play. Um, I found a lot more success when you kind of like play into those really broken effects. Like uh, I, I think a lot of people um, or there's kind of like a uh, discussion between like mana dorks versus like a talisman some people really like talisman some people like dorks and i think uh, the the how that it really plays into to mana crypt really well and like a soul ring really well that two cmc is like so important that like you can go turn one into a talisman, like rock into a talisman is super powerful versus like uh turn one into a dork and you're kind of stuck yeah i actually agree i think there is a bit of a a bit of a uh i feel like a lot of times people act like you need to choose between dorks and rocks and in my deck building i, I tend to just play too many of both and i found that to actually be pretty useful in a lot of decks but in general yeah like if you're choosing dorks over rocks a lot of times you're still playing a lot of rocks and a lot of times you're still probably playing at least some dorks if you're in green like uh birds of paradise is just so so good it's hard for a lot of people to not run that card or, or, or uh, noble higher call so but you do have to really think about, am I leveraging the, the, just the actual power of these cards I'm playing if I'm not playing at least Arcane Signet or a Talisman, especially in a deck that's trying to be explosive? I feel like the ritual, like the the, uh, the way you, you describe Manicrypt as a ritual actually is really interesting because I feel like the format right now really wants you to be explosive. It really wants you to like have an insane start where you just play all these rocks out and play some insane value engine or drop a commander that draws you quite a bit of cards. And so Mana Crypt is super useful into that environment because it, it the colorless is obviously being a zero mana ritual is insane. Being a zero mana ritual that sticks around is insane. Being a zero mana ritual that helps you play out other rocks that often fix your colors is insane. Um, those are all very powerful things. And so you have to really consciously decide not to, not to do those things it's not just a it's not just oh i like dorks you have to be like oh i like dorks and i really have a good reason for not playing all this explosive mana right yeah and i found that when i'm building like decks that 
uh, I want to play dorks in usually it's because I want to leverage the the dork as also an additional resource such as like if I'm playing Neoform or Eldritch Evolution um, or like Gaia's Cradle and stuff like that like that's when I feel like dorks are really needed or like if I'm playing a Razaketh like line or something like I really really need a high density of dorks just to support like the the yeah. turn where I have a Razaketh um, versus having like if you if you built your deck about around Razaketh but just have, have like talismans then that rasic is not going to be really good yeah and uh spleenface was just talking on uh the mind sculptors about this how in a rasiketh deck a dork is, is like a trifecta right especially a timna rasiketh deck because you get your you get your mana because it's a dork and then if your commander's timna you can often use it to draw cards in the late game and then if you're on cards like eldritch evolution and neoform now you're you have fodder for your tutor effects, and then if you're on Razaketh, now these dorks represent win conditions on the battlefield. So, obviously there are incentives to be on dorks, and that's why dorks are incredibly popular, but, you know, talismans also have this huge incentive just from the insane card quality that we have from the mana acceleration. So it's really yeah. interesting. Uh, I think that really is actually, if you, I think of the format in, at this point as two different archetypes. There's the red-black archetypes and the blue-green archetypes, and the blue green archetypes, I mean, obviously there's like absent archetypes that don't fit into this totally. And there's like, you know, Boros and things like that. But a lot of the red-black archetypes are about being hyper-explosive with rituals. And like crazy card advantage spells like PETA, Necropotence, and Ad Nauseam. Well, there's the blue-green decks, which are based around Dorks and Neoform and Thassa's Oracle. And, you know, all the crazy synergies that come with like Spellseeker. Uh, and I feel like that is almost... That's almost split down the divide of am I trying to play into my talismans and my arcane signets, or am I trying to play down my Razakaths and evolutions? And does, do you think that's a fair way of looking at the format? I think it's really. Fair. I really like how you you've identified like one of the archetypes is black red because I some, I sometimes feel like people overvalue like blue when it's like in within those kind of strategies when really it's like just black red that's like doing almost all the work for you. You get all your rituals, all your tutors, you get your breach. You're you're like good with black red. Of course, having another color helps, but like that's really the core. Um, I want. I was just thinking about when we we're talking about this how like sometimes people think like. Uh, when you top deck that mana crypt like later in the game and you've got nothing to cast with it, it's kind of a shitty top deck, right? Like, or or the same thing with the dork. Like, if you if you're playing a dork deck and like you top deck your dork when you need something else, like it's kind of shitty. Um, but I think when you build your deck to really leverage these kind of effects well and kind of focus on that, um, they 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 could be a pretty good like top deck or like not as bad. Like for example, like um, if I'm playing the black red turbo archetype i don't really care about that top deck because i'm trying to increase my density of like really fast starts and just jamming as many of those cards as i can so my mulligan can be easier um but if i'm playing the blue green deck even if i do top deck that dork it's a it's a resource i can use later so even though it's not the most optimal top deck it's not the worst either because it just gives me another like target for or another resource to use for neoform or like a rasaketh or something um, I think the last thing I think that's important that makes like mana crypt so much more powerful than all the other uh, mana rocks is that like obviously the zero cost makes it free, but when you're like uh, after your after your ad nauseum, I think like when you it's like a great chain chains target for you to add more mana. Oh yeah, that's a great point. Uh, being a ritual that is abusable to bounce spells, kind of like dockside, right? 
uh, it, you know, and obviously if you're already playing chains, you probably are already on dock side, right? <laughs> if you're on, if you're in black, if you're in black blue, you're probably also in red. So you can probably also, you know, bounce your dock side, bounce your chains, bounce, um, or bounce your dock side, bounce your mana crib, maybe bounce a talisman to make some red mana. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, that's obviously very powerful. Yeah, I've actually, I think I've done a game before this, back before Gigantha, or the companion rules change, but I've, I've done a game where, like, I did turn one, like, land, um, Mana Crypt, and bounce my own Mana Crypt to replay Mana Crypt and play, like, a pedal or something, and then I cast uh, Gigantha like that. So, like, the... Yeah, I think I've seen that game before. It was, uh, it was part of your Instagram series, right? Yeah, so, like... I think that effect is also kind of important to keep in mind because all the other rocks that you get from your ad nauseum, like it's either uh, a once effect like Lotus Petal or they cost mana like like Mana Vault. And, and if you get like a really bad nause where you don't have like a spirit guide or you don't have any mana remaining, you didn't hit that, that mana crypt, like hitting a Mana Vault is kind of useless in that in that context. Like you really need the zero rock to get there, and I think uh, it's pretty important. Yeah, for sure. All right, so thanks for discussing. You know, one of the most powerful cards in the history of Magic with me. I hope uh, hope we were able to cover enough in this uh, you know short twenty minutes or so. Um, yeah, do I'm. You wanna... oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm surprised by how much we actually got to talk, like talking about it because I think like Mana Crypt is one of those like ubiquitous cards that's just so good and it's like this auto include i've you kind of figure like there's not that much to talk about it but it's kind of interesting to get like so deep into it and like really appreciate why it's yeah, so powerful it, you know it does come up though a lot of the time where people are like well i don't own a mana crypt you know obviously it doesn't affect my deck that much to be not on mana crypt you know i find that comes up a lot with budget players who maybe have never played with the card or don't have multiple copies or haven't played a certain archetype without that card before. But like I was, t I've talked to people trying to play Corvold and they're like, well, I don't own any cards over this, this, such a price. Um, and it's like, well, I, I don't think you can play a farm deck <laughs> or a deck like that's super aggressive with ad nauseum without mana crypt because it's so necessary to have your explosive starts after the ad nauseum or well, you know, drawing five off the top with a Necropotence or something, you just kind of need that acceleration. Or even just a turn one wheel, like, Manicure plays tons of turn one wheels in uh, decks like Blue Farm. And that's, like, super important. So. Yeah, I think the, it's, I think some people are thinking, like, well, I only hit, like, man, like, the turn one dream Mana Crypt, like, only, like, X amount of times out of all my games, so I, I can, I can go without playing it, but I think, like, uh, the point is that you having mana crypt in your deck gives you that opportunity to have that like amazing start of not like even if you're not playing a farm deck like a turn one mystic study is so incredibly powerful um it's yeah. it's like basically like when you play a turn one mystic remoral but a little bit better because you don't have to pay the the cumulative <laughs> upkeep <laughs> yeah it, i mean and you hit dorks that's kind of insane yeah, there's just like so many things that that one card enables you to do on turn one that I think you, you kind of don't, you're not able to appreciate it as much until you like really start uh, playing with it and seeing how much uh, potential and how much like speed it gives to your deck. Yeah, for sure. All right. Do you want to talk about any of the stuff you have coming up, uh, Rebel, before you head off? Um, the, uh, end the show? Not at the moment. I think I'm going to be showing on a couple streams, but like, 
I have a really bad memory, so I have to like. All right, <laughs> we can uh, leave them in the description or something, or leave a link to your channel. Um, if you enjoy, you know, Inside Edition or something like the drama channels uh, or whatever, I feel like you run the best CDH drama channel. I think that's a really cool. bad way of describing your YouTube channel. So uh, you know, how how would you describe your channel? I guess. I think my channel is like thirty uh, percent useful information and seventy percent like inside jokes, like really inside jokes that only like five people would get. But I, I don't mind that because that's kind of the content I want to make. Like I, I just want to I want to spend a lot of time to make that five people laugh. <laughs> I love it. It's like your channel is legitimately one of my favorite channels. Every time I watch it and you shit on Sinestra, I legitimately laugh very hard. So <laughs> I'm glad because because I just want everyone to laugh at Sinestra with me. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Have a nice one. See you.